Hello, good human, and welcome back to the Sunshine Project podcast. My name is Chloe. I am your host, and I am so proud to bring a little bit of sunshine into your ears and your life with every one of these episodes. And this week, both of our episodes are all about small business. Now, this was always going to be something that we covered on the pod because it is something that is a very big part of my life. But I did want to give a special shout out to Kate. Kate is in the Facebook group, which you can find at the Sunshine Project podcast community. And she posted on the group wall this morning asking very politely and very warmly if I could cover this and maybe if I could get a little wriggle on. And we're coming up to the end of the year. So I thought, what a perfect time. A lot of people are taking breaks. A lot of people are resting and refreshing over the holidays. A lot of people are pouring love in all the way through. And no matter your circumstance, I just, I think this is a good time for this to find you. So I have spent all day delving deep into the archives, just working out what we're going to cover in these two episodes. We are going to be talking about my small business journey, the many, many small businesses that I've started. Some have spluttered and choked before they've even got off the ground. We're going to be talking about starting a business, the things that I think you really ought to know before you do that. We're going to talk about the best business tips I have to offer after nearly 10 years of doing this thing. And then we are bringing back the Q&A. So I think that's enough explainer from me. Let's dip our toes into this week's mindful moment. As you and I settle down into a moment of mindfulness today, I just want to let you know how we're going to be speaking about your small business. Because whether you listen to this as somebody who has been running a small business for a long time, whether you are listening as somebody who's just on the cusp, not quite there, but getting really, really close, or whether you're listening as somebody who dreams of starting a small business, somebody who would love to pour love in like that one day, but who feels like it is a long, long way away from where you are right now, we're going to be talking as though your business exists, as though it stands on its own, and as though all of the magic and all of the madness that comes with running a business is something that you're experiencing right now. My love, You should be so proud of what you do every day. And when I say proud, I don't mean nodding quickly. Thanks. Yeah, busy, busy, good, busy, proud. I mean the sort of pride that you feel right down to your bones. The sort of pride that feels like It's scrubbing right against your bones, like it's making them golden and worn and all kinds of lived in. Because someone told me many moons ago that the best part of my business isn't the candles 
that I sell. It isn't the market stall set up. It isn't the fancy, shiny little bits. That the best part of my business is me. And the best part of your business is you. Because the truth is, about any small business, it's probably not the most convenient option. It's probably not the cheapest, it's probably not the easiest, it's probably way more accessible to walk down to the closest big box store or large corporation and snap up whatever you are offering from there. But the good stuff is you. And I want you to remember that. I want you to remember that within your small business, You are humanity. I want you to remember that you are the reason that people keep coming back. And again, it's not for the price. It's not for the ease. It's because they want to support you. Whether it's one customer a month or 22 a day, people are choosing to support you, to hold space for you. And even if things are a little bit quiet right now, I want you to know that you have the power to make yourself busier. You have the power to accept more work, to accept more output of time, to accept whatever might be coming your way. You are empowered to do that. This podcast, this community, all of it, holds knowledge that you are empowered to do that and at the same time that your business and the best part of your business is you I want you to know that your business is only part of you I want you to feel that glowy pride all the way down to your bones but I want you to know that it's a part of your identity it's a part of who you are but your business number and your income and your amount of yearly customers have absolutely nothing to do with your worth. I think we can hold space for two things being true and while I think it is so important to take a moment and really appreciate, really understand the perspective that you are so lucky to have a craft, to have a skill, to have a service, an offering, to have something that you can trade for money, to have something that you can trade for money to buy food, to buy shelter, to buy lovely little trinkets that make your life a little bit happier. While that important perspective should never be far from your mind, I think we can also hold space for the fact that it's not about money, is it? It's not about convenience, it's not about ease, it's not about affordability and it's not about the money that's coming in, it's about the heart. It's about the heart that you're pouring out. It's about the love that you're putting into the world with what you do. It's about the creativity that you get to foster every day, even on the days that you've never felt less creative. And it's about the heart coming in as well, it's about the heart coming back to you. It's about the human connections. It's about that feeling of zip and obsessed when you get something right. 
all of that, time and energy and love is magic. Your small business is magic. And so are you. Well, I am incredibly biased, but I must admit I do love starting our week on whatever topic we're speaking about with a mindful moment. It really just helps me get into the right headspace and I'm the one up here talking. I feel like it's kind of a similar thing. You know, they say that food tastes better when somebody else cooks it because when you're the one that cooks it, your nose gets used to the smell of the cooking and then it doesn't taste quite as flavoursome. I've just realised I haven't fact-checked that at all. I've probably just seen it on the internet. But I feel like it's a similar thing. So if I feel that way about the mindful moment, then I'm really hoping that you do as well. So in part one of our small business series, which is today, you're listening to it right now, We are going to be talking about my small business journey. I was hoping that I would also put some information about starting a business and about my best business tips in this episode, but they're going to live in episode two. On Wednesday, we're going to be coming back and I will be sharing the sunshine toolkit around small business, which will be my best business tips. So today, again, we've got starting your business. On Wednesday, we'll have the five best business tips that are up my very balloony sleeves. And we'll also be doing another Q&A because we haven't done one of those since the social media episode and I really enjoyed it. I also just wanted to say that I'm thinking about starting up a little bit of a voice line. Oh my goodness. Hotline or like a voice mail I'm thinking about starting something where you can say things into a microphone and then I can put them on the podcast because I think that would be fun. I'm so glad we have stumbled over that together. Please share any ideas about how you think that could be best done or how you would like to take part in the Facebook group, which I've already mentioned, the Sunshine Project podcast community. I'm not going to bang on about it again today or for the rest of the week, but yeah, I think that would be really cool much cooler than the last two minutes of speaking into your ears. Let's talk about how I started my businesses, all of them, because my business journey has been a lot. There's been scams, there's been losses, there have been brilliant moments and wins and excitement. And yeah, honestly, this episode is just me spilling all of that to you. And in the next one, we're going to get stuck into the really practical stuff. So this episode, I think just like grab a coffee, grab a tea, grab a macadamia milk mocha, sit back, relax, and let me serenade you with a seriously wild story. Okie dokie artichokey, let's get into the weeds of it all. So I have owned many a small business in my time. I only graduated high school in 2012, which look, it was more than 10 years ago now. So I don't know that I really should be using the word only in that sentence. But I will say that for 11 years, I have done a lot. I've packed a lot in and I've had a lot of business dealings along the way. I've run a number of small businesses. 
I've run some that have been really successful. I've run some that have crashed and burned. I've run some that have never even got off the ground. And I want to try and tell you about as much of it as I can, because, you know, I think if you're a regular podcast listener, then you probably hear all sorts of stories from these brilliantly successful, thriving people who started selling t-shirts out of their parents' garage and then all of a sudden they had a warehouse and all of a sudden they're in 30 under 30 and they're making 30 million billion dollars a year and I think that is brilliant. I think it's so cool. I think it's something to really aspire to if that's your vibe but I also do not believe that it is relatable for a lot of people that do run small businesses and I just want to give you like a very real world overview of what it all looks like. So I started my first official small business in 2014. It's called Chloe Jane Candle Co. And truth be told, I worked in a candle store at the time. I had a little bit of a candle buying addiction. I had seen all of this hoo-ha about the new, very limited range of soy candles that we were making, and I was really interested in that. So when I started making candles, I guess I started making them because I couldn't afford to keep buying them. I started making them because I thought it would be fun. And I started making them because I wanted to have a business. I wanted to do something creative. I know that's not as sexy as just falling into it, but the truth is I had had quite a few small business ideas before then. Many didn't get past the conceptual stage. And when I mean conceptual, I mean just telling people like, hey, I'm going to start a business and it's going to be ice blocks and they're going to be alcoholic. In hindsight, I'm not sure that alcohol really freezes. So it's no wonder that one didn't work. Uh, Also, I was 18. I don't know that I even could have got a liquor license, but I digress. One that I nearly started was at the start of 2014. I had it all planned out. It was going to be called Lala's Lemonade. Lala was my grandmother who had passed away a few months earlier. And I was going to create, you know, like delicious, organic, fresh lemonade and sell it at markets and at festivals. And I worked at a wood oven pizza catering company then. So I I worked at a lot of markets and festivals. I knew that all the markets and festivals were just waiting for an organic small batch lemonade business to start up. And I felt so committed to the idea. And so I planned it all out in my mind. I decided it was a go. I made my very first huge jug of Lala's lemonade, sat down for dinner at the dining room table with my then boyfriend, now husband's family, who I lived with at the time, poured everyone a glass of lemonade and told them all about my brilliant idea and then watched all of their faces as they tried the most disgusting, sour, sickly sweet, just horrendous thing I think any of them had ever tasted. I hadn't tried it. I hadn't given it a sip. I had just assumed that I could probably make really good lemonade. And to their credit, I do remember all of them trying really hard to hold those pucker faces in. And it wasn't until I took a sip that I understood the full gravity of the situation. So Lala's Lemonade 
went back on the shelf and a few months later, Chloe Jane Candle Co. was born. And Chloe Jane Candle Co. did really quite well from the beginning. I had friends tell me that it was probably silly of me to have bought a domain name and to have started a website before I even sold a candle, which I loved being told because it seems a little bit out of character, but people telling me I can't do things, like I'm not able to do things, I find to be such a good motivator. Like if you tell me I can't do something, oh no, now I've got to do it. Now you've got to watch me. Now I've got to prove myself. So that was an excellent motivator. I listed my very first batch on just Facebook I think. I think I just, I designed the labels in Microsoft Word and then I listed them on Facebook and my sweet friend Ben bought a couple for his mum's birthday. They were wonky. They were wobbly. They were poured in the kitchen at Patrick's parents' house. And look, I worked really hard initially. I mean, I still work really hard now, but there's nothing like the startup phase of a business. I spent a lot of time pouring candles. I spent a lot of time researching new scents. I still had my little Microsoft Word designed labels. I would go to markets on a Sunday morning and I would quite often drive past taxis coming home from the city as I would drive towards the city for a market and I would know that my friends were in the back of the taxis because it would be like 4.30 in the morning. Every market required you to have set up before sunrise. All the markets I went to were not sort of like gourmet, artisanal, uh, well-curated markets. They were local car boot sale markets. I would spend my Sunday mornings in the boiling hot and the freezing cold, bartering with people who were telling me that my candles were not worth $15. They were only worth 10 And if they could have two for 12 they would really appreciate it. I spent my days selling my candles on Facebook Marketplace and then packaging them up and driving them and dropping them at people's houses. I cannot imagine how much petrol money I spent doing that. I also vividly recall that sometimes I would drop the candles at people's houses because I couldn't afford postage. So yeah, lots of couriering, lots of love and time and effort poured in. I had a few big breaks. I think one of them was doing some of those markets. Like the Bowerbird market was a huge one um, in Adelaide. I started doing Gilly Street Market, which was very, very trendy and very cool and reached a lot of new people who then followed me on social media. And then all of a sudden I had all of these customers that I was able to have direct access to. I also remember another big break of mine was discovering influencer marketing really early. So it wasn't called influencer marketing then. They weren't called influencers. There was no such thing. It was um, quite genuinely just reaching out to people who I thought were cool on Instagram because I would do three posts a day on Instagram back in 2014, 2015, 2016. And I would reach out to people and ask them if I could send them a candle in exchange for a photo on their feed. And when I say people, I mean like some of these people were a girl that I went to primary school with that I thought was really cool. And some of them were like Tara Milk Tea on Instagram, who now has this incredible following. And, you know, I'm so lucky to have got to work with her. I think she was the first person to charge me for a post and it was like $40. And she ended up in doing two or three posts about my candles. And it was just, uh, it just made me so happy. 
Anyway, so the business grew and grew and I was able to start renting a room at a friend's house, which became my candle studio. And then I was able to buy a transportable building and start making my candles there. That was up on my grandparents' property. And then I found myself being scammed out of $15,000 worth of product. And that business came to the ground a little bit at that point. Losing my business to a scam, because I did end up losing my business to a scam, was one of the worst things that ever happened to me. It was very stressful, it was very all-consuming, and it felt like such a failure. I will quickly mention that while I was running Chloe Jane Candle Co. in those first few years, I was also running another business that I started about a year after CJCC called La Boheme Collective. I I actually think that that word is pronounced Boheme. I did not know that at the time and it's stuck in my brain as Boheme forevermore. In that business, I started importing mandala throws, you know, the ones that you might hang on your wall or drape over a couch, truthfully because I liked them and I wanted them at my house and I got a discount if I ordered heaps and I recognized that they might be something that other people liked as well. And I'm really glad I did that because it let me into the world of selling products that you weren't making. As I said, I was carefully choosing them and then importing them, but it was very different to the labor of pouring candles day in, day out. And I shut that business down after about a year. It had just served its purpose. They were quite a trendy item. It had run its course and that didn't really feel like a failure because I had done it and now I wasn't doing it anymore and that was okay. Yeah, but look, losing the candle business, I'll I'll give you a rundown on this. I have posted an explainer before on my Chloe Jane Candle Co. Instagram page. It's on the highlights. It's called Scam, I believe. But basically what happened is back in 2016, the height of popularity belonged to subscription boxes. So I don't know if you remember these. You would pay a provider. You would pay, say, if I was a customer and I loved beauty, I would pay a beauty box, $15, $20, $40 a month, and they would send me a box full of all sorts of goodies, which were worth way more than the $15, $20, $40. But the way that it worked was I would get to discover new products. People would be able to reach me with their businesses. I was able to get products from a place, the subscription box service that I trusted, And the popularity of these boxes just exploded in this time. 2023, I cannot imagine them doing as well because cost of living crisis. I don't know who can commit to anything apart from maybe like Netflix and Spotify right now in such a long-term way. But at the time, subscription boxes were the bee's knees. And I was approached by a subscription box service asking me if I would like to put my candles in one of their boxes. 
and they sent me the most incredible PDF I had ever seen in my life. It was like a slideshow in PDF form and, you know, it told me all of the things that they could offer me. They could offer me hundreds and hundreds of new customers. They could offer me a placement in the magazine that came out with the box. They could offer me all of these sales that would result from all the new people I was reaching. They had case studies. They had percentages. They had dollar signs. It was just, it all looked and felt very, very good. They had a huge following on social media. They'd worked with some really reputable companies in the past. And so I said, yes. And a lot of people say to me like, oh, you know, didn't you ask for money? No, that's not how these boxes worked. You were trading your product for something from them, for (laughs) exposure, I suppose. Although I say that now and it's like no one would trade anything for exposure these days, but it was a big part of the business model then. And by the time I got to the end of that PDF, I was like, how much do you want me to pay you to be a part of this? So I had saved up maybe, I think it was like eight or nine thousand dollars from my business from the last few years in my business which was and is still a lot of money for me and I poured every cent of that into creating a new product that could go in these boxes I made little tins, beautiful little tin candles. They were quite slim and they were quite flat and they had woodwick candles and they smelt like the raspberry scent that I use, like a beautiful warm vanilla and raspberry. And the subscription boxes required 1,000 candles for 1,000 boxes. And each of the candles I would have been able to sell for $15 each. But as I mentioned, I wasn't selling these. I was using them to reach a brand new audience. I was using them to be a part of a subscription box that was so well known and so beloved and had appeared in Girlfriend and Dolly and Cosmo and had a really good PDF. And the subscription box I was a part of was meant to be the June edition. So Around June came and I sat back and I waited and I waited and I waited and nobody seemed to be posting photos of their June boxes, which was really strange. And then I checked the comments of the page's most recent Instagram post and I saw that there were a few comments from people asking where their boxes were. And then the next time I checked, those comments weren't there anymore. And then I did a little bit of digging and I worked out that the company was not what it seemed, that what they had sold me, what they were selling all of these small businesses was these boxes reaching the people, but it kind of looked like maybe the boxes weren't reaching the people, that maybe the people had paid for the boxes, but the boxes just weren't quite leaving the warehouse And the more I digged into it, the more I found that this was a story that was sitting right at the edges of so many people's experience with this company. And yeah, I'd put everything into what felt like an amazing opportunity and all of a sudden it was all gone. The business limped along for another couple of months And I think it was just after Christmas that I realized that I just couldn't do it anymore. And it was a story that I told over the years that I was sad about, that I was disappointed 
about, but it wasn't until a few years later when I was watching Shark Tank and I saw the owner of the subscription box company presenting the subscription box on Shark Tank and getting funded by one of Australia's biggest, most well-known entrepreneurs that I felt such a fire in my belly and I ran to my laptop and I started typing out this email, letting them know the terrible things that they'd done to my business, that I'd spent eight or nine or $10,000 in my friend's love and time and energy on these candles, that I'd spent $600 sending them to Sydney, and that now I was pretty sure they were rotting in a warehouse somewhere. But as I looked up the information I needed to find, I saw that one of Australia's biggest entrepreneurs, the one who had funded the project, had asked a few more questions when the camera stopped rolling and had discovered in time that they too had been sold a lie, that they too had been fooled by a very shiny, very lovely PDF and the matter was reported to the relevant authorities and that business ended up shutting down. The owner of the business was listed publicly as a do not deal with person of interest, so no longer allowed to do business in Australia. And all of that made me feel quite a bit better because it made me realise that it wasn't that I was just new at this that meant that I was susceptible to being scammed. It was that this person was a scammer, that they had scammed me, that they had scammed others, and that thankfully it wasn't going to happen anymore. I just felt like if one of the most successful business owners in Australia could have got got, then of course I could have got got. So that business wrapped up at the end of 2016. And in 2016 as well, I think I started my second really successful business, which was Chloe Jane Creative. Now, look, I hear you. When I first was deciding what to name my business, I was like, Chloe Jane, everything, it's silly. It's, it's narcissistic. It's my name. It's, and then my sister-in-law, who's very proficient at all things business and marketing, said to me, David Jones was probably just someone's name. Peter Alexander is someone's name. Like, you can use your name. It's fine. It's yours. And I did. And so when Chloe Jane Creative was born, it was a boutique social media agency or creative agency, I called it. And I started it by creating some very nice PDFs and delivering them to business owners that I knew. And in the PDFs, there were no scams. There was just information about how I had grown my online platform for Chloe Jane Candle Co. to 10,000 people, I think, by that point, and about how I would love to help them create a platform of a similar size for their businesses. So I dropped them off to people that owned pizza restaurants. I dropped them off to wineries. I dropped them off to cafes that I went to and enjoyed. And slowly but surely, I built up my customer base. I charged $30 an hour to start with. I wasn't technically qualified. There wasn't really a technical qualification for social media back then, but the proof was in the pudding and I knew what I was doing. And so I built up clients and I built up clients. And when my candle business folded, I had work to keep me busy around uni and around working casually in cafes and retail stores as well. And as I decided that I loved this social media marketing gig and I wanted to do it more often, 
I started selling my service in other places. I joined lots of small business Facebook groups, recognizing that people there probably needed a hand too. And I would sell packages for $50 where I would do a social media refresh or I would take on new clients and charge them $50 an hour. Or I didn't have an income goal for like the year. I didn't have an hourly rate that was bananas or anything. When I started really taking social media management seriously, so taking photos, editing photos, sharing photos, sharing captions across Instagram and Facebook for other small businesses, my goal was to make $1,500 a week. If I made $1,500 a week, I was doing so well. I could pay my mortgage. I could have some savings. I could have some money to start other things that I might dream about. $1,500 was the dream and I was not very persnickety when it came to how I made that money. Like in 2018 when I when I made it you know a real and honest sort of like full-time thing when I left my cafe job my my casual cafe job and I did it full-time I would take on all sorts of work. As I said I sold refreshes and things through Facebook groups. I joined Fiverr (laughs) Once I was overseas and I desperately needed money and I found myself writing a 5,000 word article on beauty blenders for 20 Australian dollars, that's when I realized it maybe was not the platform for me. I babysat as well and I considered that to be working for myself and I put that towards my $1,500 and slowly but surely, again, without the official qualifications that might be expected now, I became someone that was really well known in the industry for being hardworking, for being good at what they did and for seeing success and seeing results. And after a couple of years, I had 18 full-time social media clients. I presented for all sorts of people, the South Australian Tourism Commission, small businesses across the state, huge corporations. I would roll in, do workshops, tell people this is why you should be on Instagram and this is how you do a pretty good job at it. And I loved what I did. And it wasn't until COVID hit that I shut that business down or like wound that business back. It was going great guns right before COVID. Patrick and I got married in March 2020, a week before everything started to crumble. And we were on our honeymoon in Kangaroo Island, which is just across the sea from where we live. And I received 17 phone calls on our honeymoon from clients letting me know that I could no longer do their social media marketing because there was no longer anything to market. And look, that was so understandable. I love that they called me. I hate that they had to call me on my honeymoon, but I love that I had such a relationship with these people. And I kept doing social media management and social media marketing all the way up until last October. So just over a year ago, I finally let that 18th client go. And I adored doing that. I felt it was as easy as breathing. I I loved creating content for other people, but over time, something else had happened. When I lost all of my marketing clients in March 2020, I thought I might take a break. I thought I might not do any business stuff. I might rely on JobKeeper, which was a payment the Australian government was giving to small business owners during lockdowns, and I thought I might just relax for a while. 
And I got about two weeks into just relaxing and I realized I was going absolutely bonkers. I was so depressed. I was so flat. I had not many reasons that made me feel like getting out of bed in the morning. This was before our cottage and before our cows and our goats and this magic mess. I would have so much to do now. But I decided to dig out a dusty old box of my candle stuff from deep in our garage at our old house and to start making some candles. Again, I had all the supplies. I had a stirring of wanting to do something. And I posted on TikTok and I said, hey, I lost my business to a scam a few years ago and I've decided to start it up again, so wish me luck. And I went to bed and I woke up the next morning and I had nearly a million views on that video. And that really was the rebirth of Chloe Jane Candle Co. It just, it just spiraled in the best way from there. I sold out within, I think, like five minutes on my first launch. I was beside myself with excitement. I sold out every launch from there. I bought on Amber, a brilliant creative assistant. I bought on Danny, a brilliant personal assistant. I built a studio in our new home when we moved, and I've poured love into that business ever since. I've actually, just this week, I've come off of a four-month hiatus, which is the longest I've had since I lost the business. And I'm so excited to keep creating and to be able to send those little melting pots out to people again and to write, handwrite love notes. I think that's such a special thing. It goes back to that you are your business thing that I spoke about at the start. And so I run Chloe Jane Candle Co. to this day. I also run Love Chloe Jane, which is my social media stuff. I work with an agency in Sydney who find me briefs and I create content according to those briefs. So say I'm looking around. Okay, say Chloe Jane Candle Co. reached out and wanted to work with me and they wanted me to create a video about how my candles feel like summertime, like how how the summertime range of candles smell like summer and they smell like coconut and they smell delicious and then it would be my job to create a video or take photos or create content that tells that story and to share it to my audience. So then Chloe Jane Candle Co. would reach my audience in that way. And I also, in 2023, renovated and launched Juniper Grove, which is a bed and breakfast in the Adelaide Hills, which is also a small business, a teeny tiny business still, in fact. And I do this podcast as well, although, as I've said before, I'm not seeing a cent from this yet, and I think it might be many moons until I do, but I pour enough love and time and effort into this that I would like to consider it a business. And that brings us to now. We've been through Lala's Lemonade. Bless Patrick's family for seeing how excited I was and holding their tongues on that one. We've seen Chloe Jane Candle Co. crumble to the ground and then be built up again, lifted on the shoulders of a million people on TikTok just wanting to help and love and support small businesses. We've seen Chloe Jane Creative come and go. Love Chloe Jane and this podcast existing right now with the help of some beautiful people. Big shout out to my manager, Nikki, 
to my editor Tim and to my producers Alex and Cam. We've got Juniper Grove that would not exist without Rosie and without Liv, my wonderful housekeepers over there. And I kind of can't help but wonder what is yet to come. That's enough talking from me today. My love, it has been a lot of time in your ears, which I'm so grateful for. I love being able to just spill all of that to you. On Wednesday's episode, we're going to get stuck into the practical stuff. We're going to have a look at the Sunshine Toolkit, my best tips for starting a business, my best tips for running a business that is thriving, and we're going to dip into the Q&A as well. If you've got any questions, please head over to my Instagram stories. I'm going to pop a poll question box thing in there. And um, if I read it out on the podcast, amazing. If I don't read it out on the podcast, I'll answer it on my page. I can't wait to see you there and to talk about maybe some less chaotic things in two days time. I love you so much. I hope you have a beautiful day and I will speak to you then. Good human. Bye. This podcast was recorded and edited on Ghana land. Always was, always will be Aboriginal land.